0: Freshwater, good morning to you all, or good evening, whenever you're watching this. Um, I, I'm gonna jump right into it. I've got um, I've got some bones here on my table, like really old bones. There's there's like really old, no meat on them, no nothing. Like they've been out in the forest. That, these aren't human bones, just to make clear. Uh, it's from a deer. Isn't that cool? It's uh, this is a vertebrae. It's um, it kind of looks like. Um, what? The, the imperial transport, Sean, Sean was telling me. It looks like the imperial tr- transport. Sorry. Uh, anyway, uh, when you look at bones, there's a couple assumptions that you make. Um, bones, um, we come across uh, like a pile of bones. What would we think? Are, are they auto- we automatically think those things are so dead, right? They're never going to come back to life. Like, they're just dead. They're going to they're probably decompose over time and just become part of the soil, right, part of the dirt. We would never think, oh, oh wow, that, that thing's got a chance of life. Uh, it would it'd be like this. Imagine you're in an accident, and there's a car accident, and there's two bodies on the street. Well, actually, there's a skeleton, and there's somebody else who's been injured. And the an EMT comes up, and the person who was injured um, stops breathing, like right in that moment. Now, who is the EMT going to rush to? Is he going to rush to the skeleton that's really dead, or, or is he going to rush to the person that just stopped breathing? And, and imagine if he goes to the, the skeleton to do CPR. I mean, everybody would be looking around like, what are you doing? It's a dead skeleton. It's never going to live. You're a little too late to the scene for that one. He's going to rush to the one that still has a chance to live. The reason I'm talking about bones and dead bones, like really dry dead bones, is because that's the chapter we're in here in Ezekiel 37. And if you have your Bible, flip to it, turn it on. Whatever, you're going to need to be in chapter 36 and 37 as, as we read through this story here of, of God and Ezekiel in this valley. So let me just read it to you. It says this in chapter 37, verse 1. Ezekiel said that the hand of the Lord was upon me and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley and it was full of bones. He led me around among them. And behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, oh God, you know. So we have this opening scene of Ezekiel 37 in a valley filled with dry bones. And if you're just uh, jumping in here and you haven't been a part of Freshwater back Pre-COVID-19, we were going through Ezekiel, and we're just about ready to finish it here. We got this Sunday, a couple more, and we'll be done with Ezekiel. But let me catch you up to speed on why Ezekiel is in this valley with the Spirit, God the Spirit, looking at all these bones. And what, it, what has happened is, from chapter 1 all the way up through chapter 35... God has been bringing judgment against Israel, and and it's a whole host of things that that Israel's done, but essentially Israel has rejected God. It's a southern kingdom at this point, um, and that's a whole another story. There was two kingdoms, but now it's the southern kingdom that's the only one left, and God has judged them, conquered by Babylon, and they're in exile because they rebelled against God. They started to worship idols. They brought the idols into their homes. They brought them actually into the temple. If you flip over to chapter 36 here, he says there's blood in the land, like they've murdered people, they've killed babies, they killed children to worship idols. It's they've taken advantage, like the the leadership, those in power have oppressed the poor. It's awful what's happened in, in Israel. And God made a deal with Israel back in the deal, covenant, better word, right? There was a covenant that he made with them. And back in Deuteronomy 4, he said, look, if this stuff happens, I'm taking you out of the land because you're polluting the land. This is the promised land, my land. You're destroying it. I'm taking you out. And they raised their right hand and they said, we're in for the deal, right? And they said, not only are we in, our families are in, and every family and every generation that's passed down from us is part of this covenant. So they signed up for this. And God comes along and says, you guys, I'm kicking you out of the land. You've gone so far, you've rejected me. And we catch up actually in verse, uh, I think it's around verse 20 or verse 18 uh, of chapter 36. And God says this, he says, so I poured out my wrath upon them. For the blood that they'd shed in the land and for the idols which they defiled, and I scattered them among the nations. There's another reason they're standing in the valley, though, and it's because when they got thrown out of the land, they went into these other nations and listened to what happened. It's like the double, there's a double whammy here on God's reputation because he says this is what happens, or what happened. I scattered them among the nations. They were dispersed through the countries in accordance with their ways and their deeds. I judged them, but when they came to the nations... Wherever they came, they profaned my holy name, in that the people of those nations said to them, well, these are the people of, of the Lord, or these are the people of the Lord, <laughs> right? And yet they had to go out of his land. And I had concern for my holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned among the nations to which they came. So it's not only that they've rejected God, rebelled against God in all ways possible but when they left the land, everybody's mocking them and ends up mocking God. It, it's like this. You've ever heard somebody say, um, there's no way I'm going to follow Jesus because of the way that Christian acts. Now, have you ever heard somebody say that? No, what they're doing, they're not only insulting the Christian, but they're really insulting God. Because they're saying, this is, this is that kind of God. Why would I follow that kind of God? And, and it's the same thing. And God had had enough. And so there was these 35 chapters that spanned over years. Of judgment. Fifteen years for them, the the nation's destroyed, but if you wrap in the northern kingdom, which which happened in 70 or 750 BC, you're, you're talking about a lot of years of judgment and people being exiled and people being enslaved. And so imagine this, they're standing in this valley of dry bones, and he says there's a lot of dry bones everywhere. And the valley, when, when he says, can I do this? And, and Ezekiel's answer is, well, only you know. It, it's this answer of uh, helplessness. Um, I mean, the field it represents, the, the dry bones represent utter hopelessness, utter despair. No possibility of return. It, it is like saying, oh, yeah, this deer is going to come back to life. Like, who would say that? You walk over, I mean, we see deer along the road all the time getting hit, but none of us ever go, oh, yeah, that deer can come back to life, right? Why? Because it's beyond hope. And that's where Israel was, completely hopeless, lost cause. I wonder if some of you right now, imagine this, you, you're in this valley, and I wonder if this is possibly the story of your life or maybe something you're facing right now. It's like you're standing in a valley of dry bones, and God, the Spirit, is walking with you. And everywhere you step, you're, you're trying not to step on bones that just reminds you this is impossible. There's no way out. There's no way that I could be rescued from this. And this vision that God gives Ezekiel is the beginning. It's actually a description of what God has already started to give to Ezekiel in chapter 36. uh, Hope. In chapter 36, 1 through 15, he starts to talk about the land. And he says to the land, the promised land, he says, I'm going to restore you. I'm going to heal you. My people won't be cursed when they walk on, your, on you anymore. I'm going to restore you even, he says, even better than before. And in fact, if you go all the way through chapter 36 and you get to the end, he says this. He says this in uh, verse 35. He says, it's going to be like Eden, which is a staggering promise, like pulling it all the way back before the curse. Like it is full restoration of the land. And that's important because part of the covenant had to do with the land. And God says, I'm going to restore the land, but it's not only the land, it's the people. And he says this in chapter, in chapter 36, verse 24, he says this, he says, I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness and from all your idols. I will cleanse you. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit and I will put within you and a new spirit I will put within you. (laughs) I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. It's this promise now of spiritual restoration to the people. It's it's amazing. He's like, I'm going to restore you and I'm going to give you the ability to obey me because you don't have it. I'm going to live within you. It's an unbelievable promise. And he goes on this promise to the people. And at the end there of chapter 36, he says this in verse 37, he says, I will also let the house of Israel ask for me or ask me to do for them. And he goes on to list these requests. And what it is, is God has stopped listening to Israel. He stopped listening to him. He said that I'm done. I'm done listening to you. You guys have rebelled against me. You've made it clear you don't want me. I'm done. And what he says right here is I want relationship with you. I'm going to hear your heart's desire. I'm going to restore that connection where you and I talk to each other again. It's an unbelievable promise, unbelievable restoration. And so you have the land, you've got the people over in 37, you then have the nation, you have national promises, the covenant, right? And he says this over in verse 22, he says, I'm going to make them one nation in the land on the mountains of Israel. And one King shall be King over them all. And they shall no longer be two nations, no longer divided into two kingdoms. It's, it's, he's going to reunify the kingdom. No longer this civil war, all Israel will be one, one nation. And then he brings in another part of the covenant, the, the covenant he made with David with, a, with an everlasting line of kings that would come through his name, his family line. And he says, this my servant David shall be king over them and they shall have one shepherd. And that's a big deal to Israel because the, the king, the, there's two thrones, there's two kings, they're all vying for power because there's a the northern kingdom, a southern kingdom. Everybody's wanting power. And he's saying, no, what's going to happen is the line of David is restored to the throne. Well, that's Jesus. I mean, Jesus is the Messiah, son of David from the tribe of Judah, Judah rather. And he's the one that's put on the throne. It's an amazing restoration of all the covenants. That God had made with Israel it's staggering but not only that as we look at these things we could look at them and say well that's great for Israel but what does that mean for us the the part that's really I would say for us is when you go back and you look in chapter 36 verses 24 through 27 that's that's the new covenant where Jesus comes and he puts within us a heart of flesh, or, or, or changes a our st- our heart of stone to a heart of flesh, and the Spirit comes to live within us. I mean, that, that is totally the new covenant. I mean, Jesus in Hebrews it talks about Jesus how he will sprinkle us clean with his blood. He washes us clean. That's that's Christ. That's the new covenant. John 16, Jesus says, "Hey, when I go, I am going to send the Spirit who's going to live within you." That had not been fulfilled up until Jesus. All these prophecies, Jesus is the fulfillment of these prophecies. It's 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 incredible. It's for the church, and so there's a. There's parts of this, and and I may be tipping my hand how I look at all these things, but how do you, there's parts of this that are for Israel, that he makes expressly for Israel, and yet within that, God is saying, this is the new covenant as well. This is for anyone who would call on my name. It's an unbelievable moment. The possibility of life. Jesus actually says, I am the resurrection. I am the life. This is for anyone who would call on the name of the Lord. It's both. And so he, with all these in mind, he brings Ezekiel to this valley. It's a vision. It's the Spirit of God in him. A valley filled with bones. It's a vision of Israel. It's the dead people of Israel all those who have died spiritually, physically, it's it's just the vision of all the death. And he asks Ezekiel, do you think these dry bones can live? And Ezekiel's like, well, only you know. It's not unbelief. It's not doubt. It's just, what, what do you say when all you see is death? And so he said to Ezekiel in verse 4, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O oh dry bones, hear the word of the Lord Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live and I will lay sinews upon you and you shall cause and, I, and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord's. So I prophesied, Ezekiel said, as I was commanded, and I prophesied, and there was a sound, and behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone, and I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come on them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. And then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me and the breath came into them and they lived and they stood on their feet and an exceedingly great army. And so then he gives the interpretation of what's going on in verse 11. The spirit says, he says, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up. Our hope is lost and we are indeed cut off. Therefore, therefore prophesy to them and say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, I will open your graves And raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will bring you into the land of Israel. And I, and you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. The prophecy, this vision, happens in two stages. One is prophesy to the bones, life, right, or prophesy to the bones to come together, right. And can you imagine in that moment? I mean, they're standing in the middle of all these things and, and it imagine and hear the sound. It's not even just seeing it, it's hearing, hearing the rattle of bones, right? Like, what is that? I mean, he's hearing it across a whole valley and then are bones like whizzing around in the air? Are they going across the ground? Like, what does that look like? Bones are, are moving and rattling sinew, muscle, tendons, organs, all these bodies are put back together, they're not breathing, but they all are put back together a whole. And then he says, prophesy breath, breathe on them. And in that moment, they all breathe and stand up. It's a a stunning vision of what God wants to do. It's resurrection. Now I want you to imagine if, if you were in exile, And you are hearing this message for the first time. Because God makes it real clear. He knows the state they're in. And when they say this, our bones are dried up. Our hope is lost. We're cut off. We're cut off from God. We're cut off from help. We have no hope. Can you imagine the first time Ezekiel describes this vision? I mean, these are people in exiles, people who have lost so many loved ones, people who think it's over and there's no hope. And I got to think, so many of them were like, please don't tell us this if this isn't true. Please don't jerk us around with this kind of news. I, my heart can't handle that. I can't handle being disappointed anymore. I can't handle another moment of disappointment, loss, death. This, you, you don't joke around with this. I wonder if some of you who are listening right now you're in that same that same point like you can't afford to hope again whatever you're facing and maybe it's it's life in total or maybe there's a circumstance here and 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 you're just looking at this going I I, I don't dare hope because it's just been it's been a life of loss and death and defeat And suffering, please, please do not tell me that. And and maybe some of you, it it is so bad. Like you, you contemplate death. You contemplate taking your life because you can't take any more of this life where there's no hope and there's no way out. And here's this vision where God comes along and he says, I have got resurrection power. I am the God who can pull bones together and breathe life. I am the, the, the God with all power and resurrection. I can make bones rattle. I can make people breathe again. I can, I can bring life into anything, anything that's dead and beyond hope. I am the God who restores hope. I can do this. What's interesting is as we look at the new covenant, he says, call on the name of the Lord. It's this moment, the Spirit of God, Ezekiel, but I think it could be you and God in this moment, and God is standing by you. And I wonder if He's even asking you the question Do you think I can do this? Do you want me to do this? Imagine yourself, you and God, in this in this valley, and him asking you the question, and what's your answer? What's your answer? And before you give that answer, before we talk about it, I just want to show you one more thing because it it flips everything on its head. It it really does. Because in this moment where God starts to say, hey, hope is now coming. I'm coming. I'm coming to rattle some bones. I'm coming to open some graves. But he says, I want you to understand what's driving all this. And he says this over in verse 22. He says this of chapter 36. Therefore say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, it is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I'm about to act, but for the sake of my holy name, which you've profaned among the nations to which you came, I will vindicate the holiness of my great name name, which has been profaned. And the nations will know I am the Lord, declares the Lord. I will vindicate my holiness. And it's just one I statement after another. I will, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. And he goes to verse 27, I will put my spirit within you. And he keeps going, I will do this. I will do that. I will, I will, I will, I will. And then he gets again to verse 32 and he says it again, it's not for your sake that I'm going to act, declares the Lord. Let that be known to you. And he goes on and he keeps saying this, so that the nations who are left will know that I am the Lord. And he says it again, so that you will know that I am the Lord. I have spoken, says the Lord. In verse chapter 37, it's more of these things. Verse 13, you shall know that I am the Lord. He says it again, one verse later, you'll know that I am the Lord. And he ends verse 28, he says, the nations will know I am the Lord. See, what God is doing is in this moment, he is coming in and he says this, I want everyone to know I am the Lord. I have resurrection power, I have the power to redeem, I have the power to forgive, I have the power to take what is dead, what could never come back to life, and I can rattle some bones, and I can open some graves, and I'm going to do it because I'm the Lord, and I want everybody to know it. He wants you to know that he's the Lord. Like, it's the best thing that could ever happen to you and to me, is to know he's the Lord, and he's the Lord of the grave, he's the Lord of life, He's the resurrection. He's the one who can put the spirit in us and and we have connection with him. So Christ and you in this field, what are you going to say? And maybe today is the day for some of you who've never thought of this like this, that God wants to come in and do this thing. And it's not just you, it's about him and you getting to know him. And he's probably, not probably, he is right next to you just like this vision with Ezekiel. He's not far away. And he's saying, what do you think? Live again? And maybe your answer is, I don't know. It's okay. What if today... You said, let's do it. Let's do it, Lord. What if today is this moment where you just, maybe for the first time, you tell the Lord, I need you. I I have no hope. I've just, this is my life. I'm standing in a valley of dead bones, all kinds of death. And I need you to rattle these bones and bring life. And I need you to open the graves I need to come and save me. I want you in me. I want you to clean me. And if you're living with guilt and you're living with shame, there, there's this moment in Ezekiel, not in Ezekiel, actually it's after, it's, it's about 50 years, 40, 50 years after Ezekiel where a lot of the Israelites are brought back to the land. And there's this moment where they hear the law. They haven't heard the law read. And they, it's in Nehemiah, they they gather and they hear the word of God, and and they hear what God says about how to live, and they just start weeping. They just start weeping. They're overwhelmed because they know what they've done. They know they totally messed it all up. They knew, they knew, they, they totally walked away from God as a nation. They just start weeping. And I love what God does there. He says, no, 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 we're not, we're not doing that. This is not a time to weep anymore. That was then. It is a time for joy because I am restoring. And if you're sitting there and, and you know what you've done, you're like, there's no way God can do this because of who I am and what I've, I'm just telling you right now. God is the one who raises people from the grave. He gives them a new heart. And it is simply saying, Lord, I believe that you are the Lord. Come and save me. Or I receive your forgiveness. I know I need it. Come and make me live again. Or or Jesus, come and bring this power to raise people from the dead, to, to raise hopes again. Lord, would you come and would you begin to speak into the things that are dead in my life? Relationships. God can do it. He is still the same God as back then as he is now, and he can do this. Let me pray. Holy Spirit, would you, would you speak right now? Would you give each person that sense that you are there? Your word says it, it's true, so therefore you are there. And would you be so close to each person who's listening? Would you have mercy and would you invite each person into this moment of seeing you as Lord? Would you show them or even mention to them the things that you want to now bring life, things back from the dead to life, things that you want to restore? Would you begin to pour hope into people who lost it a long time ago and are scared to hope again? Just give them hope. Jesus said, I don't know how this goes. Like I'm, I'm doing this in a room and it's a different time. And yet I know what you can do. You, you span time and you span uh, places like you're not limited by that. So Jesus, when they hear this right now, would you fill them with hope? And would you show them that this could be a new season of joy and a time, Lord, to start hearing some bones rattle? And seeing some graves open. Amen. God bless you guys.
1: just as the man who was thrown on the bones of elijah if there's anything that he can do just as the stone that was rolled The stone that was rolled up its in What The praise make a tell man
0: All right, so here's the bonus footage. Um, last week, I referenced uh, two people being kidnapped over in a country. I'm not going to mention the country's names, uh, but they were actually three young men. Um, son, one of them was the son of a pastor, and. Uh, what happened was they are finishing college or just finished college, and in their field that they've been studying, or just graduated with, uh, there was a government positions open, and so they took it. The problem was it's in a dangerous nation where there's terrorist activity, so it's a high risk, and so they go there, and while they're there, they get kidnapped, and taken, and, and put in this uh, room, hoods on their faces, uh, you know, in shackles and chains like this, and. And it goes on for several days, and each day, or I don't know how many times a day, but the the terrorists come in and say, "Hey, look, you need to memorize the Quran and say your prayers." And these three young men said, "No, we from an early age we've been taught the way of Jesus, and 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 we're only going to memorize his words. We're we only know the words of the Bible." And they wouldn't do it. And so this went on for several days, and then uh, the leader of the terrorist group came in with a gun and pointed it at them, pointed at their heads, and threatened them and said, "Look, if you don't start doing this, we're going to kill you." Scared these guys, obviously, because they weren't messing around. And and so what they started to do was even sing out loud. They started singing worship songs that they, they'd grown up singing um, at church. And this went on for several days. And meanwhile, back home, mom and dad didn't know any of this was happening until six days after the event. Somebody from the organization came and told the parents um, that their sons had been kidnapped. And that started this prayer uh, intercession going on. And they started rallying, calling people from all over the world. And and our church was a part of that, of praying for these young men who had been kidnapped. Uh, but they were six days in. They still didn't know anything about what was happening and where they were, any information at all. And I, I, I can't imagine a parent's heart who hears that and doesn't know what's happening with their child. And, and Flash back to where their, their kids uh, were, the sons, these young men were kids, right? They're, they're college age. And um, so they're singing songs and, and they're just the, still the three together. And several days after the, the guns you know being pointed at them and threatened with their life were, were going on continuously, this little girl all of a sudden opens the door to their cell and starts to undo all their chains and says, you need to get out of here. And no lie, you need to get out of here. She takes them over and gets them all their belongings, everything that that had been taken away from them. They got everything. And and then someone else there in that compound or or right next to, there's no armed men right there at that time. The terrorists weren't there. And they said, you need to go this direction. And pointing them a direction, said, just start going. And so they go there, and eventually, they don't even know where they are. Like, they're so disoriented, they just follow the direction, so they go. And eventually, they come upon this small little village and hear voices, and they say, hey, look, can you tell us where the, the city is? We're, we're kind of lost right now. And so they say, okay, this is where the city is, and that's where they were working. They finally get to the city, and they get a hold of a phone, and they call their parents, and this is Sunday morning, and they just finished, you know, Sunday morning service praying, praying for their sons, and mom and dad get home, and they get this call. We're safe. We're okay. And, and then mom and dad spread the news, and, and all day people are coming and just celebrating with them that their sons are safe. And I just want to tell you that story because that's one of those god rattle bones opens graves kind of story where you think this is not going to end well and here God breaks in and answers prayer and moves in powerful ways and just want to leave you with that encouraging word God God still moves he's still on the move like this so God bless you all